let your word today bring life to all of us. Let it bring understanding to as many as will listen in the name of Jesus. And above all, almighty and everlasting God, break up the fallow grounds in our hearts that we receive the implanted word of wisdom. And as your word says in Psalm 107 verse 20, that you sent your word to heal and to deliver us from our destruction. Father, we do say thank you that your word will heal today and your word will set us free. We deliver us where we need deliverance in the name of Jesus. Just as you said, let there be light. Lord, let your word light up, light up our lives, O oh God, and destroy every walk of darkness, anything that represents darkness in our lives. Father, as we hear your word, let that word destroy walks of darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. As I started, and the, the, the sermon, the title is If, If. I F if, and I'm believing God that uh, our lives will change by the end of today yeah. for good, further for good in Jesus' name. Yeah. Our main text is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, from verse 25. Matthew, chapter 6, and from verse 25 to 34. And I'll read because of time. It says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. It says, Whether you have enough food, and drink or enough clothes to wear says isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing i'm reading from the nlt he said look at the birds he says they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are can all your worries add a single moment to your life and why worry about your clothing Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. Say they don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if, the word here, if, if God, what we're going to care so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Say, so why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? So these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Says verse three says, seek the kingdom of God above all the, all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. It says, today's trouble is enough for today. Amen. There are so many things that we can take from this text that we've just read. The Bible says here that says, if God cares so, verse 30, cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and are not yet tomorrow, it says God certainly cares for you that the word, if, if those things are so important to God, you are more important to God than those things. Mm. But one thing he says is that tomorrow has his own trouble. Yeah, tomorrow has his own issues. So why worry about tomorrow? Why worry about what you're going to eat or what tomorrow is going to bring? Because tomorrow has his own worries. But yet it says that it's sufficient is enough for the day. Mm. Amen. And one thing when the word God of God say, if, if you look at the word of God in the book of... Um, in the book of in, in the book of First Kings chapter twenty one, from verse one to the ending, is the story of Ahab. 
The Bible talks about Ahab being at one of the most wicked kings of all time, even till today. That's what the scripture says. Even one of the most wicked kings in first chapter in first Kings chapter 21. If you read from verse 1 to the ending, this is one of the most wicked kings in those days. But yet, when God was going to pronounce judgment on him, when he asked for the field of Naboth, basically what simply happened, and for those of us that may not know the story, was he was a king and he wanted a particular field of someone, someone else's field. And he wanted to buy it, but the owner refused to sell to him. And he was sad. And his wife, who was Jezebel, asked him, why is the king so, so sad? And he told the wife, and the wife said, go and sleep, that by this, tomorrow you will get the field. And the wife just decided to gather some people to lie against uh, Nabat, the owner of the land. And so that when they lied on him, that he said something wrong, and they would stone him to death, and that way he would get the field. And that's what the wife did. Wrote a letter in the name, in the king's name, sealed it with the king's stamp, sent it to some people who dined with Nabat and decided to lie on Nabat, and he was killed. And that's how King Hayab got the land. And Elijah, God sent Elijah to Hayab. And Elijah said, Elijah, Elijah, and then Hayab said something, have you found me? And Elijah said, yes, I found you, that you've done something wrong. And God pronounced judgment against Hayab. But one thing that happened was this wicked king decided to repent. As he repented, God sent a message, sent the same Elijah to him to say, I've forgiven you. However, the judgment I've pronounced will not happen in your day but they happen in the days of your children. Amen. And this is one of the most wicked kings that God said that lived on earth at that time. If God can show mercy to a king that was so wicked, how much you and I? If. If. There's a story as well in the book of Luke chapter 18 from verse 1 to 8. Luke chapter 18 from verse 1 to 8. The word of God talked about a widow who wanted justice, amen, and went to a wicked judge. And she troubled the judge day and night, I mean, throughout. And the Bible says this judge was a wicked judge because the widow troubled this judge so much that the judge said, I must give this widow the justice she needs. If not, she troubles me so much. And he decided to give her the justice that she wanted. But one thing that's interesting that Jesus Christ said in the book of Luke chapter 18, I will just read the latter verse quickly. Luke chapter 18. Um, Jesus now said that, then the Lord, verse 6 says, then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. He says, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? He said, though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So you might be crying, you might have been crying to God day and night for God to give you justice. You might be knocking at certain doors and yet it has not opened. God, God is saying that when the time to answer of your prayer comes, will he still find you having faith in him, believing that he is going to do what he has promised to do? If God cares for these things, you are more important. You are more valuable to God. The issue is that sometimes we don't even know who we are because of the challenges sometimes we are facing in life. Uh, you know, sometimes we feel we are turned left and right and we lose who we are in the midst of all this. But one thing that God is saying that we should know who we are because he cares for you and myself. The story, as a preacher once said in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3, 
from verse 16 to 27. 1 Kings chapter 3 from verse 16 to 27. I really, I would love to read it because of time, but I will, I will encourage you to read it on yourself. This was the story of after King Solomon became the wisest king, after God gave him wisdom above every other man. That the Bible talked about two and uh, two harlots uh, that came. You know, I don't. You might know the story of the harlots that basically they gave birth one day apart. Both of them had uh, had 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 babies, and one of them slept on the baby, and the baby died, and she switched the the sons, and the other one whose child was alive that was switched that was swapped. They both went to the king. And one said, this is my child. The other one said, no, the dead child is your, is your child. And the king um, decided to tell them to bring a soul to divide the child, you know, that was living. And that is how he brought justice. The one that, whose child was alive told the king he shouldn't kill the child, but to give the child to the other woman whose child was dead. And the king decided to say, well, that is your child. And anyway, justice was brought. But the king, the case here was... They were harlots, and they came to the king for justice. These were harlots. In those times in Israel, you know, harlotry wasn't permitted. They should be stoned to death. But yet, harlots got justice. How much you? Are you not more valuable than a harlot? And that's what God is saying. So it's just that sometimes we are just impatient. So if you are more valuable than Harlot, then how much you, how much God, how does God sees you? He sees you more valuable than you see yourself. He sees us more valuable than we see ourselves. So, you know, if, the word here is if God cares for this thing, how much you, how much you? The Bible in Psalm 139 says, Psalm 139 verse 14 says that we are fearful, he says that what we are the apples, of God's eyes. It says we are not just the apples of God. It says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It says marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Psalm 139 14 says you are fearfully. I am fearfully. God took time, wonderfully made us, took time, carved us in his own image. So you are so valuable to God that he took time to make you. So you are so important. Don't look at yourself as maybe God has forgotten you. No. Even though things sometimes may not appear to look the way you expect it to be. No. Don't give up. Know that he cares for you. Know that he sees you more valuable. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, 1 Peter 2, 9 to 11 says, But you are a chosen generation. It says you are a priesthood, a holy nation, his own, God's own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him. Who called you out of darkness? That means that when they see you, they, your life radiates the praises of God. People want to praise God in you. That is who you are. That is who you are. If God has made you a royal priesthood, then why worry about all this thing? If God has made you himself a holy nation, a special people to himself, if, not that now, but now he has, not just if. So why worry so much? Why worry so much? In Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, it says we are the apple. The letter verse of Zechariah 2, it says we are the apple of his own eyes. We are the apple of God's eyes. So you are the apple of God's eyes. So you better not care about something 
So the word of God says, if God cares so much about this thing, he cares so much for you more than all these things. Things may not appear to have worked. Like the story of Abraham that we know very well. You know, if the same God that Abraham was believing God for to give him the promised child and there was a delay, yet even despite the delay, Abraham could go into Sarah's maid and Ishmael was born. Yet Isaac, the promised child, has not been born. If God can give, can bring forth Ishmael, even though it's not the promise, what about your own situation? God will. The scripture, what God says is that if he decides to move now, will he he still find you faithful, still holding on to him, believing that he will? Because at the end of the day, we are the one that looks at this race as the sprint, whereas it's a marathon and we are here to do. That's what the Bible says, seek ye the kingdom of God first above all. NLT says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and God will give you everything you need. The problem is that we are looking at the things that we can see. Most times we pay attention to the things that we can see, like the COVID 19 virus. Many people are scared and all that. But for us as children of God, we should never be worried. Our own is what is God saying? Jesus Christ could have turned bread into could have turned the stone into bread. But the question was that, was God telling him he had the power to? But the Bible says that we are his children. The Bible says we should be led by the Spirit. We don't walk by flesh, but be led by his Spirit. Jesus Christ, being led by the Spirit, knew at that time, even though he has the power to bring bread, to turn stone into bread, he refused because that wasn't God's agenda for him. Even when he was going to, when Lazarus was sick, he could have, he could have prayed for Lazarus. I mean, Lazarus didn't have to die. He had the power to prevent Lazarus from dying. But God had not sent him there at that time. God waited. He had to wait for Lazarus to be dead four days to raise him up. Because that was God's time, being led by his spirit. So as children of God, whatever happens. And another story that comes to mind to me as I was just sharing here was the story of Elisha. Elisha had a double portion of the anointing of Elijah. Elijah did seven miracles in his time. Elisha did 14 miracles in his time. But Elijah, when it was time for him to go to heaven, God sent his own personal chariot to come and take Elijah to heaven. But when it was time for Elisha to die, he that has double portion anointing, double the anointing of Elijah, he was sick. He was lying sick. Even on his sick bed, he was still doing miracles. He was still doing the work of God. So, when things happen, whether it looks as if People say, you're a child of God. One thing you should know, yes, you're a child of God, is how God wants it. If anything happens, just know that that is how God wants it. Your faith must be absolute in Him. Because at the end of the day, God calls you a royal priesthood. He calls you a holy nation. He calls you the apple of His eyes. That is what God, and that is how He sees you. And it's time for us to start seeing ourselves daily as that. That is what we need to start seeing ourselves daily as. That means we don't look at the situation on ground. We see the solution in Christ. Because at the end of the day, God says, I have overcome the world. David, if you, you know, if you look at David, you know, the story of David when they went to war, I mean, he went and they came back and 
the, the, the homes of the wives were stolen. I mean, were taken, they took them captives. While the armies were, were, were struggling, were crying, weeping. You know, David encouraged himself on the Lord and he sought the face of God. And God told him to pursue and overtake and recover all, and which he did. But he could see the solution in God. The challenge, I mean, uh, we can go on and I can go on and go on. In 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 17, which is an interesting story. This was the story of the children of Israel when they were thirsty. They didn't have water. They didn't have uh, certain things at that time. And they sought the face of God in the book of 2 Kings chapter 3, as I turned to there in verse 17. And the, and the man of God came and he said to them, he says in verse 17, For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also, you shall attack every... And God went on. And verse 20 says, Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered, that suddenly water came by way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. God does this thing when he wants to do his things. You know, so don't look down on yourself. Don't think that you're falling short because there is mercy. If Ahab, who was so wicked, turned from his wicked ways and God showed him mercy and then bring judgment against him, even though there will see consequences, how much you that he calls a royal priesthood, how much you and I that he calls sons and daughters of the Most High. Amen. Yeah. So, we are his holy people. We are, his, we, are, we, are, we are righteous before him because Christ has made you and I righteous. So we, begin, we need to begin to see ourselves as God sees us. Amen. Amen. We need to see. And one of the things that we should do that sometimes, the reason why many a time this Eve, uh, you know, we forget how important we are to God is because we don't take time to spend time in God's presence. You know, Moses, one thing that Moses did was he spent time in God's presence. In the book of, uh, in, in the book of Exodus chapter 34, you know, verse 29, this was Moses reflecting God. After Moses spent time in God's presence, the Bible says he began to shine. You know, that people could even look at him because he has spent time in his presence. One thing that we should understand is that not that things doesn't happen. Like for me, you know, many things have driven us to the, to, into, into God for various reasons. And some, some are, are very good reasons. Some are not very good. Someone like for me, my Christianity started as the, I came to Christ as a result of fear. Fear of the future. Fear of the unknown. Fear of failure. Remember as a student, you know, um, I was so scared, you know, that, you know, God, I, I don't want to fail. So I have to hold on to God. Things like that. But one thing I realized is that as I became a Christian, I realized that wait, this fear, even being a Christian, this fear never left. But I realized that I would pray about it, but he never left at that time. But one thing I decided to do was, and I came across the scripture that says, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And as I meditated on this day and night, the spirit of fear left me. And I meditated on God is love. Perfect love cast out fear. As I meditate on, on this word, because I begin that the word of God began to radiate in my heart, therefore, everything that was dark in me, the word of God lit it up and chased them out. So it is for us 
to reflect on this word. When we reflect on the word, the word becomes part and living in us. And that is what we will, that is what will be, that is the praise that will be coming out of us, his word. So if God, we can know all this thing that if and if, the if will only work when we spend time in this world, when we spend our relationship with him, when his word becomes embedded in our heart and our soul, when you meditate on First Peter 2, 9-11, that you are chosen and, and that word sinks into the citadel of your being, that word will begin to manifest in your life. Amen. That's why he says that he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from destruction. That's why you will never be faced with any situation. Even though sickness comes, you will never be faced with the fear of death because you know that God has your backing. Even when God has sent you to, for, to, uh, for a particular project, whether the project has failed two, three times, ten times, whatever time, because it is God, you know that God is working something good in you to bring it to pass. It doesn't matter whether you fail the exam. Because you know that God has sent you, and as long as you do your own part, suddenly you don't have to receive it. You will succeed because God has said, and you have played your part. So, but you must be absolutely sure in your faith that God has my back, and that is where God wants. That's why the Bible says, even when we are faithless, the Bible says God remains faithful and will not deny His name. So we ourselves ought to remain faithful and believe because God. Has is the master planner. He has all things sorted. That's why the Bible says he is in Revelation chapter 1. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So he sees all. That's why we have come to him. In Psalm 23, he says in verse 1, he says that well, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You may appear to have one, but because the word says you shall not want, trust in him. Even though it looks as if there is a need right now, because you believe God says, I shall not want, then that need will be met. Somehow you get to a position where you always live in abundance because you're not looking at your present situation. I'll give you a testimony. You know, I was in camp, you know, and I remember on a Sunday morning, which was last Sunday, um, whatever last Sunday date was, whether the 7th or so, or the 8th, I think the 8th. And I was about to leave camp. I woke up with an immense pain on my feet to the point that if I had to touch my leg, it was as if someone is putting a needle uh, in my skin. That's how painful it was. I, could, I found it hard to even put my left leg on the floor. And this was Sunday morning, and I was going to go to service. And I just, you know, said a simple word of prayer. I'm believed, and I forgot about it, that God, I am healed, and I managed myself. You know, had my bath and I left. Believe me, you know, three, four, three to four hours later, the pain disappeared completely. That as if, you know, you know, it wasn't like a progressive healing. It was almost like an instant healing. Because by the time I realized what was going on, there was no pain again. Because I wasn't looking at the pain. And I've seen that worked in my life a few times, you know, several times where sometimes I've been in pain. And I take my mind, I've prayed about it and I've taken my mind off it and you see it because at the end of the day, what I am looking at is the result, not the present situation. So for you and I, we need to be God. If God can do this thing for all this thing, feed the birds of the air, you are more valuable. The point is that, do you believe? Do you realize that? Is that word, has that word sunk into your spirit that he cares? That you are not, you are the head and you're not the tail. You are not a failure. You are, you are, you, you are one that is successful. You are one that is a victor. 
as that word sunk into your spirit. And that word can only sink into your spirit when you spend time in his word, meditating in his word, uh, uh, feasting in his word. Not just reading, not just scheming. When we read the Bible, we're scheming. You know, but when we meditate, the word is sinking into our spiritual being. And that word becomes part of us. You see, God has a solution to everything. If you read the book of Genesis in chapter 1, and I'll just quickly uh, go there. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, um, in Genesis chapter 1, it's quite interesting that Peter highlighted this once. He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. The moral of this story here is that God created the heavens and the earth. One would have thought that because God has created the heavens and the earth, everything should be perfect. But he created it, I believe that it was a good thing he did. But yet, God saw that there was darkness. God saw that you know, there was darkness on the face of the earth. But God had the solution, and the solution was let there be light, and there was light. So it's the same thing for, as we're looking at marital bliss this morning. You know, if you look at most of those, most of us that have gotten married, the day you say, I do, you go to the, it's one of the most beautiful days in your life. You know, no issues, no, you know, everybody's celebrating, you're happy. But sooner or later, a child comes up, sooner or later, marriage happens and reality hits. It has challenges. It has, but there's always a solution because at the end of the day, God has given the solution. God has a solution ahead of time. Amen. And the solution could be the conflict resolution, could be the things I will discuss this morning because God has presented the solution because God knows that there will be a problem even before. Even before Adam, you know, before Adam sinned, uh, the sin that he did, God had made a solution in Christ Jesus that he was going to die for humanity to reconcile man to God. So there's always, so God has your back. Whatever you think is troubling you, there's a solution. God has resolved it already. And I want you to believe that, that that is the reality. Because if God cares for the birds of the air, you are more important than that. And as I begin to bring the word to a close, I will just read some of this thing. Um, listen, in John chapter 17, um, verse 15 says, this is Jesus Christ says, preaching here. You know, that's why we should not worry about all this. He says, Jesus preaching, he says, praying to God. He says, God, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. This is Jesus praying for you. Why should you be scared of evil? Why should you be scared of? Why should you be consigned of all these things? The Bible says, Jesus Christ says that I did not pray that you should take them from the world, but you should keep them alive from the evil one. That's why Psalm 91 says that, you know, that we dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. You believe that word. You know, in verse 23 of the John chapter 17, the Bible says that it says, I'm reading from the, the Passion Translation. It says, you live fully in me. And now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. This is Jesus speaking that they will see that God has loved one of us 
with the same passionate love that God has for Jesus. You know, in, in, in the King James, it says that he says that that they may know that you have sent me and loved them as you have loved me. That you have God has loved us just as equally as He has loved Jesus. So God has the same equal love that He has for Jesus. He has that same equal love for me and you. So when you meditate on that, that word raises up, builds you up, and makes you to understand who you are in Christ. So I just want you to understand that. But above all, in all these things, doesn't mean because God loves us that we should carry on sinning. Because many a times, we just think we can just flout God and come back to God. The Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? We can find that in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. No, certainly not. We can't carry on in sin. The Bible says in Psalm 24, it says, Who may ascend unto the hills of God? Who may stand? It says, The one that has a clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up. So we ourselves, as I said, Ahab, he repented, and God showed him great mercy. But we can't carry on in sin. Repentance is key. Restitution is key. You know, uh, and that was the difference between Saul and David. King Saul wasn't repentant, but David was. Even though David committed more sin than King Saul, but because he was one that acknowledges his wrong and repents and turns from his wicked way, God always brings a solution unto him. So if, I leave this word, if God cares so much about this thing, believe me, he cares so much for you and I. Failure is not an option. The Bible says, even the Bible says seven times a righteous man. He didn't say seven times just a man, but he says seven times a righteous man will fall. Yet the Bible says seven times they will rise up. So forget your past failure. The Bible says forget the former things. You know, focus on the new things ahead. And that is what we need to focus on. And God, you will see the solution. So that is the word for us to do that. If he cares about these things, he cares so much for you and I. God's protection is for you. God's love is for you and I. God's blessing is for you and I. You know, we will ride our horses. We will walk the face of this earth with our head lifted up, lifted high in the mighty name of Jesus. And so bring, let us bring ourselves to Christ and let us pray. Thank God for his love for us. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God that he cares so much for you and I. Just begin to appreciate him. And just begin to bless him for all the things he has done so far. Just begin to bless him and tell ourselves that, Lord, because of your word, we thank you that we are more than victors. We thank you that we are victorious in everything we do. We thank you that we are the head. I thank you that I am the head, not the tail. I am above. I am not beneath. I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy person to yourself. Just as you love Jesus Christ, the same equal amount you have loved me. And just as Jesus Christ, whatever cannot conquer Jesus cannot conquer me. They say because you love him so much. I just thank you because I am righteous because, because of Jesus Christ who have shed his blood for me. And therefore I come before you with boldness and faith and I'm righteous before you. And if you have a personal need, take it before God and thank God for answer to prayers for those personal needs. Uh, yeah, that you stand in him. Just appreciate God some more in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.